Greetings everyone and welcome to the Spirit Side. I'm Paul James Caden and today on the podcast we are going to pick up our discussion that we started on Monday talking about my personal angel encounter. And today we're going to be talking about something a little bit strange uh, and that is Taken by Angels. Now, what exactly uh, does that mean, and where are we going with this? Well, this is where uh, things uh, get a little strange, maybe, but uh, bear with me, because there's some interesting things to tell here, and interesting things to talk about uh, in part three of this podcast series this week. So, we said in Monday's show that we were going to really focus in on something that was said to me in my angelic encounter in the year of 1991, I believe it was. And uh, a little bit of background is that in the 1980s, I hung out with, uh, you know, kind of a bunch of yahoos. We... (laughs) We wanted to start this rock band. We, we, we couldn't really play our instruments. We, we played by ear. But uh, with practice, you know, some of us got okay. And we could carry a melody. We could come up with, you know, chords and leads. And, you know, we would write lyrics. And, you know, we wanted to be uh, the next Bon Jovi, Kiss, or Van Halen. You know, something of that nature. And, uh, you know, the problem was... When you went to band practice, everybody was blitzed out of their minds within an hour. Uh, I would usually try to hold back, but everybody else just guzzled down the beer like there was no tomorrow. And then, uh, you know, we sounded bad. You know, we sounded really bad. So, <laughs> you know, after uh, a period of time, probably through the uh, mid-latter part of the 80s, uh, I kind of got discouraged with all of this, and I got tired of hanging out with the rock star wannabes. And, you know, the thing of it for me uh, was we actually had the drummer from Kiss, the second drummer, Eric Carr, if you uh, know who that is or you can look him up. Uh, that's, you know, Eric Carr, C A R R. He replaced uh, the original drummer, Peter Chris. And uh, he was a really nice guy. And uh, I'm not going to go into details how I met him and his family, but uh, he wanted us to record a three or four song demo of originals. And he was going to help us, help us hone our sound, help us, you know, kind of, you know, maybe start breaking into the scene. And he said it didn't have to be fancy. Record it on an old tape recorder, you know, whatever you have to do, just, you know, give me three songs. And uh, these guys were such screw ups, they, they couldn't do it. You know, here we had the break we were always looking for. And all they could do was drink and, you know, sound like off-key winos trying to sing in an alley. (laughs) It was a fiasco. And uh, that was kind of it for me. That was toward the uh, the end of the 80s. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done. So, you know, I got out of that scene and... I, I tried with music a little bit, you know, after that with some different people, not, 
you know, looking for people that didn't drink. I didn't drink anymore at that point. And uh, I had gotten bored with it. You know, I knew, you know, this this is going to be our lifestyle. You know, this isn't going to be what I do forever, even though I was blitzed along with everybody else inevitably. You know, <laughs> but um, I moved on from all of that. And, of course, you know, when you move on from a scene like that, you don't drink anymore. You don't, you know, do the things you used to do. To do. Your, uh, your buddies move on, you know. So a lot of my friends... Uh, some of them moved, uh, others just went their separate ways, you know, finding other people that wanted to carry on that lifestyle with them. So I found myself uh, pretty much by myself, uh, aside from my parents, you know, <laughs> that I, you know, uh, associated with. I didn't really have, uh, you know, any friends uh, at that point. They all kind of abandoned ship. And, uh, of course, my work friends. And uh, at that point, I was working in a supermarket doing maintenance. It was a shop right in Middletown, New York. And uh, it was one evening. It was mid-late November again. I had gone to work. I hadn't seen Sarah. I really hadn't thought about that whole thing, you know, in a while. And I worked evenings, uh, 1.30 to about 9.30 at night. I usually got home at about 10. And where I worked, there was a front parking lot to the store, and then there was a back lot where most of the employees parked. And there was the back of the building with what we called the tunnel. It was like this little tunnel that led to the front of the store. And if you reached the end of the tunnel and turned right, there was the drugstore and some other uh, little strip mall stores, and if you went straight, you know, a couple of steps, you were at the entrance to the uh, the supermarket. So I went on my lunch one evening, and uh, I went to my car for something after I ate, and uh, it was time to go back in to work and log in. So I was coming through the tunnel. And I heard someone whisper my voice from behind. And I turned around, and out of the blue, I wasn't expecting to see this, uh, is that, you know, I see Sarah standing there at the end of the tunnel. But she looks kind of like an, you know, an apparition. And, you know, she smiles at me, and she just kind of, like, evaporates into the air. And, you know, I knew at that moment that, it was time for an encounter. It was time for contact. I just knew. And so after work that night, it was, you know, 9, 9.30 at night. And I just decided to go to this graveyard on the way home. I think it was called uh, Pine Hills Cemetery in Middletown. And it was right on the main drag, you know, going, you know, toward my house. And I used to go there a lot. You know, we, we would hang out and drink there. You know, we never littered in the place because, you know, it was like sacred ground. But uh, even afterwards, I would go there and I, I would write a lot of poetry back in the day. And I would write like gothic poems and I would like go to the graveyard. Uh, sometimes I'd just go there and talk to God because it was really quiet. I never found it to be creepy, eerie, or morbid. 
And uh, I don't know why I decided to go there. It was just the place, you know, where I went. And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, I called Sarah, you know, Sarah. And, you know, she ends up showing up. And um, long story short, you know, we, we kind of talked about my life as we always did. And uh, life wasn't bad. I was pretty happy. I, I was a little bummed. I was a little sad. Uh, maybe a little lonely sometimes because I was used to having like a million friends around. And there, there, now there was nobody. You know, I gave up the, the booze and everybody just jumped ships. <laughs> ship like, a, you know, rats on a sinking ship. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I was a little bummed about that. But, but, but life wasn't bad. And, uh, you know, so she shows up, you know, it's, it's always talking about, you know, spiritual growth, evolving soul, God, faith, how I'm doing. I made a lot of mistakes in the past, always kind of blundered at one time I had a temper and then I was drinking and, uh, you know, of course she was saying I was doing much better. You know, my soul was kind of growing and evolving and, I, you know, took advantage of this change that God was presenting me. You know, the positive change I was feeling in my heart. I was letting that come out and beginning to feel it and live it rather than, you know, be negative, depressed or mad or have a temper or go back to drinking. But one particular night, and uh, this is the thing that I wanted to talk about. I never knew until 2003 exactly what Sarah was because she always seemed to evade the question. And I was told that, you know, by her that she did this because from day one, if she had come out and said, oh, you know, I'm an angel, I am your personal guardian angel, that it would have changed the dynamic in how I acted around her, the level of trust that I had for her, especially in certain times when I wasn't doing so well or I was having a lot of problems with religion, you know, um, that it might have been intimidating or overwhelming, and she didn't want that. So just kind of keeping it a mystery for a while uh, gave me kind of more of a trust level that, you know, yeah, maybe she's an angel because look at her. But then maybe she's, an a, you know, an alien because there's always these accompanied by these lights in the sky and all this type of thing. So I never really knew until 2003. So this one particular night in 1991, I'm, I'm questioning her. You know, uh, we're always talking about my life. You know everything about me. But what, what about you? You know, uh, I don't really know anything. You know, where, why are you here? Why did you come to me when I was a kid? Uh, where are you from? You know, um, are you from heaven? Are you from another planet? You know, what exactly? But again, she kind of playfully uh, evaded these questions. But she did drop some, you know, kind of interesting things about where she was from, which, you know, was not a lot of great detail. You know, it was, you know, a place that was like paradise, 
beyond uh, the silver tunnel there. There's a crystal city. Everybody lives in peace. There is no illness. There is no ill will. Uh, something to the effect of the stars and the wind, you know, hum gentle music that the soul can hear in this paradise setting. And um, at one point, she does say that her kind has been assigned to individual human beings to watch over them, to see what kind of people they would become, to give them guidance in their lives. And, uh, you know, she's talking about people that are very worldly, people that are very egotistical, and then those who live uh, more with faith toward their creator, and this is the most peaceful path that a person can take. And from here, uh, I'm, I'm just going to read it from the book uh, rather than explain it. So she's telling me about this. You know, there are different kinds of people. We try to guide them. They either accept our guidance or push our guidance away. Uh, some people are very worldly, very evil, very greedy. Um, then there are those that just live day to day hoping for change but not really knowing how that will come about. And then those who live... Uh, life toward their creator, you know, with great faith and spirituality and, you know, this is the best path. But then she goes on to say, and reading from the book here, she says, there is, however, however, another group of people who are quite different from all of the rest. Who are they? I asked. They are those who are born with a certain innocence in their hearts, she began. They are the ones who cannot survive your society, and so we take them from this world when it is permitted. Are you talking about death, I questioned? Not quite, said Sarah, although that can happen. I'm referring to something different. What's that, I asked in curiosity. Well, Sarah began, there are those who are born into your world with a certain innocence in their souls. That innocence is carried over from the place where their souls dwelt before coming into this world. You see, every soul lives for a time in the realm you call heaven. The soul is prepared for life upon the earth. Many souls do not remember being in this place once they are born into this world. But then there are some who do have a remembrance. They, they may not recall a particular location or events, but they have a deep knowing of a far better place beyond this earthly plane. As these souls begin to grow and mature, they find that they cannot live in such a hostile environment. This world, with all of its woes, becomes like a cancer to them and begins to slowly eat away at the very fabric of their being until they eventually die a physical death. My kind are very interested in these types of people. Sometimes we offer them the chance to leave this earth and to dwell with us in paradise. You mean you take them bodily out of this world? I asked with a scowl of doubt. 
Yes, Sarah answered. All of the millions of people who vanish in your world every year, never to be seen again, where do you think some of them go? I don't know, I admitted. I guess I figured some ran away, others were kidnapped, or murdered, or buried in a deep hole somewhere. This unfortunately happens in your world too, Sarah said. But then there are those who are never seen again, for they are with us. I arose from my headstone perch and scratched my beard as I considered these words. I thought for sure... I thought for sure now that I had the answers to what Sarah was. Everything about this conversation was screaming extraterrestrial life form. So you take these people to your world, I inquired. We take them to the Crystal City, she answered. I plopped back down upon my stone seat and shoved my hands into my coat pockets. I still wasn't quite sure about what I was hearing. Strange, I muttered. So, ceasing with the commentary from the book at that point, uh, just to make note, there are allegedly certain people in this world who somehow their soul has a remembrance of where they are from, a place before they came into this world. And so long before there was this idea of indigo children that, uh, you know, came out with the whole New Age movement years later, uh, it was pretty much uh, told to me that these people are generally the ones that feel like they never really fit in to this world. Uh, they're very burdened, they're very grieved by what they see going on around them. Um, they often feel like they want to go home, but they don't really know where home is. Now, of course, this described me in my you know younger life uh, to a T. And uh, I, I still, at 54 years old, I'll sometimes get that feeling like, man, I'm just, I'm just ready to go home, you know, but I am home, so where's home? I understand now that it's uh, a spiritual place, a spiritual uh, dimension that we all came from, and some or most of us will, you know, inevitably return there. But there are some people who allegedly get the invitation to leave this world bodily, like the prophet Enoch in the Old Testament. You know, they are no more. They're gone. They're out of this world, uh, no pun intended. And um, I found that interesting because years later, now here's the thing that I find really interesting because I had these encounters with Sarah. I wrote the book and during those encounters, she would tell me things, not a lot. It wasn't like she was dropping predictions and prophecies like all over the place, but there were times that she would tell me things that would actually happen. You know, just for instance, uh, you know, 
one evening as I left the, you know, the graveyard, this became like our meeting place that particular winter. And, uh, she asked if I were to return the following night. And I said, no, 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 there's, you know, the weather people say there's like this big Northeaster coming. We're going to be like buried in snow. And, uh, she said, no, you'll be able to make it because the, the Northeaster is going to miss this area. And uh, I was like, hey, okay. And I woke up the next morning, the ground was bare, the weather people were like surprised, you know, oh, you know, this sudden quick change, you know, or it just missed, you know, our, our area. So, you know, and there were other things too that, that she would um, tell me that, that came to pass. But, but these experiences that I had with her, even to this day, I'm still learning things and seeing things that are being proven to be true in what she told me. So from 1979 now to 2021, this is still something that's unfolding in my life as I'm learning different things, seeing different different things, having different experiences new and different scientific discoveries, you know, and it harkens you back and say, oh my God, you know, that's, you know, what Sarah was saying, or that's, you know, kind of what she was talking about. And I say that because when it comes to this whole idea of people being taken by angels from this world to go to the Crystal City, which from my understanding now would not be heaven, um, but maybe, uh, how would you say it, a, a sub-level of heaven, you know, a place where people would live their lives until the culmination of time, and then they would, you know, pass into the heaven of heavens where God's, you know, personal presence is. You know, that's kind of my my feeling, uh, my understanding, and I, I think I'm pretty right about that. But this was one of the things, this was probably, this was 1991, so probably in the early 2000s, you know, I was, you know, out in the dating scene, and um, there was this, I was on, on those internet websites, uh, dating sites, they were bad, but they weren't as bad as what I hear they are today. And I met a few nice people, and unfortunately, the, the nicest people that I would have liked to have met back in the day uh, lived like hours away from me. I mean, these dating sites covered a large swath, you know, of of uh, land and, 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 you know, territory, you know, across the state. But there was one person, this one woman in particular that I was talking to. And uh, I don't know how, uh, we knew we were never going to meet, but we became like phone buddies. We would just have a conversation every night. And I don't know how this one night we got on the subject of angels. And, you know, I, I just felt compelled. I said, you know, you're probably going to think I'm nuts, but I, I want to tell you about this experience that I had. 
And, you know, I told her a little bit about the whole Sarah thing. And then, you know, somehow I made mention of this, um, you know, people being taken. And she's silent for a minute and she goes, oh, my God, that's what happened to my brother. And I was like, what? And she was like, my brother. That's what happened to him. And she explained that she had a brother. He was an older brother, and he he never quite felt like he fit into this world. You know, she said he was a really good guy, but through his teen years, you know, he was kind of, you know, in and out of making bad decisions, just, you know, like I was. And, uh, you know, only him, he didn't get into, you know, alcohol, I guess, you know, in his 20s or so, you know, he got into, you know, some drugs, but then, you know, he stopped. And uh, she said, you know, he was always a very deep thinker, you know, very to himself, always talked about this yearning that he felt that he wanted to go home, but he didn't, uh, you know, understand where home uh, was, you know, he was yearning for something. And she, I remember her telling me just her voice, she was like, I swear to God, you know, like, like the last two years of his life, he was like so into angels. That's all he talked about was angels, angels, angels. And, you know, could they be connected to, you know, UFOs and some of the lights in the sky, you know, and he, he, he was like so interested in it and he was so changed, you know, that he was very spiritual. And uh, she said one night, um, he, he was visiting, I don't remember if she said he was visiting her or his parents or if her, you know, him and her were both at the parents, but there were other friends or family members around and he looked at his watch and he said, well, I, you know, I have to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to the lake. I guess there was a lake they all went to. So, you know, he left and they never saw him again. They said they found his car at the lake where he said he was going, his keys, his wallet, uh, you know, other whatever little personal possessions were in the car. Nothing was missing, no damage to the car, but he was gone. They searched the lake. She said it was in a big lake, you know, to, to dredge through and search around. Never found him. So it was like he... She said it was like he drove to the lake and just disappeared into thin air. And I remember her telling me, just saying, you know, I know that's what happened to my brother. I finally have peace about where he is and what happened to him. You know, he he left this world. I'll, I'll see him again, but he's okay. He's not dead. He wasn't killed. You know, they, they never found him. She said it was like five or six years ago that this had happened and there was never hiding or hair of him. He was just gone. And the funny thing was is that I talked to another person. Uh, this was probably three or four years later. And this, this was somebody that was just a friend. Uh, as well, there was no, you know, idea of dating. And, you know, I remember uh, somehow this subject came up. Uh, 
And it always seems like it was inserted, you know, right where it needed to be. And uh, I remember her saying the same thing, only this was a close friend. Same deal. Oh, my God, I had a close friend. He was like my he was like my brother, you know, uh, really nice guy, never fit in. Always made these mentions, you know, he felt like he wanted to go home. He wasn't home. Where was home? You know, he got very spiritual, you know, over the last couple few years of his life. Toward the end, he was very interested in angels, reading all these books about angels and, you know, UFOs. And uh, one day just disappears into thin air. And I don't remember... Uh, where she said he disappeared from other than it was like he was there then he wasn't and it was the same thing like personal possessions no foul play uh, nobody ever found you know he was just gone like he never existed so there were two people that I talked to probably 10 to 14 years after the 1991 incident or, or encounter rather uh, who this really resonated with and now it's kind of interesting with this whole 411 thing you know that uh, of course you know people are taken and then their bodies are found on high mountains you know mangled and you know that type of thing but then there are those who are just gone. You know, they're walking in the woods, gone. You can find uh, a lot of interesting things about people that have disappeared uh, online and the stories. And, uh, you know, it, it, it makes a body wonder. And so now, as we come to the close of this particular episode of The Spirit Side... I pose the question, what, what do you think? Do you think it's possible that angels can and do take people out of this world? There are certain people that they come and extend an invitation to to say, hey, we're here to take you home. And these people gladly go. You know, in my life experience, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think this is something that's a real probability, a real possibility. I can't look back and ever see where in my personal encounters with Sarah that she ever lied or tried to deceive me in some way. Everything she ever told me turned out to be true, whether I believed it or not, you know, and there were a lot of uh, little things, like I said, that she um, that she told me that, you know, back in the day, I was like, no way, you know, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> you know, you, you doubt your own senses for a while, you know, is this angel alien or am I insane? You know, am I hallucinating? I went through that whole thing, too. Is this like some kind of like psychological you know break that i'm having or you know i'm schizophrenic you know what the hell is you know what the hell is this going on here but 
you know, it's always been beyond me. Uh, and again, you know, you, you could read the book and see things that I witnessed that other people were there. Uh, so many things. It's um, pretty crazy story, but but a lot of confirmation that you know uh, this was real, and uh, things I was told turned out to be real. Things turned out to be true. So I have no doubt, you know, that that this is probably true too. That there are people that are just taken from this world. This world is not their home. Uh, they came, they saw, and they were not impressed. And I'll tell you something, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, uh, I can get on board with that. You know, I definitely can because I came, I saw, and I'm uh, not so impressed. Uh, not really with this, uh, with this Berg. But um, anyhow, there's the question. Uh, can and do angels take people from this world? And if they do, what does that mean? And uh, now we're really going to delve into the, um, I shouldn't say the interesting part, because this is interesting in and of itself to think about. And uh, meeting people that said, oh my God, that ha- that's what happened to my friend. Oh my God, that's what happened to my brother. You know, it just resonated. It just hit them, you know, everything about it. But does it also have some kind of implications for the rest of us, for our future? And that's what we're going to talk about next. Uh, This is interesting stuff. And I just had this thought probably over Fourth of July weekend, which prompted me to do this podcast Uh, And we're going to talk about the thought that just kind of struck me like a holy crap moment uh, over 4th of July weekend. And uh, you guys can tell me what you think, because this is, um, it's it's definitely some some interesting stuff to ponder. But anyway, I don't want to babble anymore. I'm here uh, kicked back in my easy chair with the mic hooked up and... uh, just telling my story, and I hope that the buzzing of the air conditioner isn't uh, too much of an interference in this show. You know, it's summertime. The condenser is right outside the window. Occupational uh, podcast hazard this time of year, but um, hope it wasn't too much of uh, an annoyance. So anyway, folks, I thank you for listening. I hope this gives you something to think about. Let me know what you think. You can email me at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com. Email will be in the link below. If Hey, if you knew somebody or, you know, disappeared into thin air and they never fit into this world, always were, you know, not very impressed with what they were seeing around them, uh, always had the notion of, or saying, you know, they, they wanted to go home. This wasn't their home. Uh, somehow they got onto got into UFOs and angels, and then they were gone. Uh, if you know somebody or know somebody that knows somebody, let definitely let me know. I'm interested in hearing these stories, and uh, this is the first time I'm actually ever talking about uh, these kinds of things publicly in my show, uh, putting it out there. 
And uh, I'm doing this for what I think is a good reason, and I, and I will explain that uh, in the next episode on Friday. So stay tuned. Let me know if uh, you've heard anything like this or know of anybody that's uh, just kind of vanished into thin air. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, walk with the angels, and I will talk to you next time here on the Spirit Side.